Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South Podcast. It is Valentine's Day, February 14th. I'm Connor O'Gara. He's Chris Marler. Chris, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Connor. Is that, is that a creepy way to start the podcast? That was real creepy. I, I think so too. <laughs> I think so too. But we're kind of a podcast couple, so so it works. So whatever, we're going to go with Those it. Those are all your words. I wish I would have discussed that before we started. I know. Yeah, I probably should have got clearance on that. Happy Valentine's Day to you all. Hopefully you are listening to this with your significant other. Tell your significant other to subscribe to the Saturday Down South podcast while you're at it. You know what day it is. Do you know what season it is, though? Season of love? It's comeback season. Comeback season? We're talking about some Johnny Manziel? We're talking about some Johnny Manziel. Yes! Johnny, Love it. Johnny Manziel announced that he is on the comeback trail, goes on Good Morning America, goes on Pardon My Take with Barstool Sports, talks about his comeback attempt. He wants to get back into football after two years of sitting on his couch and watching Netflix and playing NBA 2K. <laughs> 100% um, doubt that's what he was doing, but yeah, sure, absolutely. Well, you know, and a few other things, but, you know, whatever. Guy's got to do what he's got to do. So Johnny Manziel, of course, goes on this big this big comeback um, announcement and, and looks good doing it. Uh, with all due respect, you know, we make our jokes about Johnny Manziel and the, the roller coaster, his life that he's been on, but uh, admitted that he's was diagnosed as bipolar, has been taking medication for that, all that stuff. Just bizarre to see a guy come out and at age 25 admit to all of these things. I mean, you, you when you listen to it, I don't know if you listened to both interviews, but it sounded like you were listening to like a 35 or a 40-year-old guy just because of all the life experiences that he's had. Yeah, cocaine's crazy. a hell of a drug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ask Rick James. E, Rick James. That's too soon. That's, <laughs> what? He's alive. Well, yeah, okay. No, You're thinking of Prince. I'm, I am thinking of Prince. Yeah. I'm, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of Dave Chappelle doing Rick James. That is fair. Also does you are also not allowed to say lit for a full week after mixing up Rick James and uh, Dave, or not Dave Chappelle, but Prince. No, I mean, it was it was an interesting interview. I, I was really impressed with his maturity. But, you know, and, and it was, I was, I hate to say this, but I was glad he had an excuse, like an actual reason instead of just being some, like, pretentious you know, kind of like whiny baby because, you know, he had a silver spoon in his mouth growing up and it kind of seemed like he was just a kid that was, you know, kind of privileged and didn't really get it. Yeah, and he he came off as as apologetic and that was the thing mm-hmm. that I was looking for was this guy who was basically, I mean, he admitted on in the interviews that he felt entitled and he had this yeah. mad at the world type thing uh, to where, you know, he felt like he could do whatever he wanted. Of course, things didn't work out in Cleveland and I mean, imagine that a quarterback can <laughs> yeah. succeed in Cleveland. So I gotta say, like honestly, if any city is gonna groom someone for success in any job, it's Cleveland. Yeah, not well, just for for a quarterback. I mean, let's let's not hate on the city of Cleveland. No, as a we're whole. gonna hate on this Cleveland. The good hardworking city of Cleveland, man. The best title Cleveland's ever won is not being Detroit. Let's just, I mean, let's call it what it is. I know you're from the Midwest, but Cleveland is, ugh, yikes. I mean, I mean, I've got Cleveland jokes on Cleveland jokes, but. I watched Believe Land a couple weeks ago, and it made me feel so bad for for Clevelanders. Yeah. And and that was even with the the revised version with you know the championship, the right. Cavs winning the championship at the end of it. But, we had a parade. But you know Johnny Manziel is such a typical Cleveland story, and I always think about how his life could have been different had he not gone to Cleveland, had right. he gone somewhere else where he wasn't you know asked to be the savior so early in his career, and he could have been with a good veteran. Um, and matured the right way because that's what he needed to do. I mean, he was just a kid. He, he, he hasn't lived in a place 
like I kind of get why he drank so much. Like he lived in Cleveland and College Station, just surrounded by poverty and dudes. A lot of dudes in College Station. A lot there. of dudes, and they yeah. have so many, so many synchronized dances. It's real weird. College, it's, it's College Station is the, birth, is the birthplace of Dude Perfect. So that of, is a very good point. A lot yeah. of dudes. Those we need to talk about those commercials at some point. But anyway, moving forward. Yeah. No, but good to see. You know, we we I never root against somebody to succeed, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that that what Johnny Manziel has done in, in his life has been forgivable. All of it, not necessarily. Um, not necessarily stuff that I condone or stuff that no. you know. I, I don't wish anybody goes down that path, but it's been a crazy path, and I'm I'm entertained to see where this goes and where this next step goes because let's not forget, dude wasn't a good quarterback. I mean, if he was good, this is a different story, but he wasn't disagree in the NFL. He wasn't he wasn't good. Here, here's one thing though that I that I, I will say, and I I I don't condone what he did. But I loved it. Like, it was awesome to watch. Like, as you know, anybody that listens to the show probably has an inkling. I, You know, I like to enjoy myself. I like to go out. I don't partake in some of the stuff he was partaking in. However, you know, I love, like, that. not like a bad boy image. But if this happened in the 60s, because it did, we would have celebrated it. Like, Joe Namath, Kenny Stabler. We Like, Kenny Stabler, there was that long, long-standing story where he would study his playbook by the light of, like, the like the jukebox. Like and that's like before game day. That's dedication. I like that. That is, that is dedication. Now when I do it, it's grounds for being fired. Whatever. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but but like you know, in this day and age, when you have social media and and you're under a microscope, especially I mean, he all of that happened so fast. Do you remember any of his highlights in 2012 before the Alabama game? Oh no no no! I'm not saying I'm not saying he wasn't a good quarterback in college. He was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. He was the most entertaining player in the country. I'm saying in Cleveland, mm-hmm. he wasn't a good quarterback. And part of the part of the reason that I think he failed in the NFL was almost because the reason that he was so good was because he was able to improvise and he was and cocaine. Well, cocaine. I don't know <laughs> how much that fueled him, so to speak. It Very might good have point. revved him up, but maybe not fueled his his success. And he was a guy who could improvise as well as anybody. And yeah. he was the guy who like wouldn't study for a test and then would just like cram at the last minute and yeah. then just show up and ace it anyways. He's the opposite of Herm Edwards. Oh, we're going to have a Herm Edwards joke within five <laughs> minutes of the podcast? Without, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Poor Herm didn't even say anything this week and we're already ripping him. Goodness gracious. No, I mean, but he, he was like, I, going into that game, I remember... Because that was the week, the way, weekend they played Alabama, 2012, was the weekend after Bama played LSU, and that was the game in Death Valley, where Bama's losing the whole whole game or whole second half. AJ McCarron has like one completion for like seven yards, and they come back at the last second, and they win. AJ's crying, all that kind of stuff. You were crying. I was, I was in a glass case of emotion. Yes, but then the next weekend, I remember I was on a guy's trip in Nashville, and having a real good time, and I was like, oh yeah, whatever, we're on at 3:30. Who cares? And then all of a sudden, this 5'10", 180-pound white kid comes out, and he's outrunning everyone on the field. He's, like, literally juggling to himself and then throwing touchdown passes. Could, couldn't stop him. And then, like, he goes, I don't think I've ever seen a wave. Like, we've seen seasons that have been incredible. Like, Tebow having, like, 50 touchdowns. The Cam Newton 2010 season. Those are two of the most memorable seasons I've ever watched in watching SEC football. That month-long span from, like, mid-November to the rest of the year, I've never seen anything like that. It was incredible, and the personality that he had obviously didn't mix well with that success. But you easy know, they, to dislike, it, right? Oh, absolutely. For an opposing fan, like you know, the 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 money signal. The money, this, yeah. this is some bad radio, but we're doing the money signal right now. 
I mean, the guy was not necessarily built to handle what he had to go through. And they said right. that on the GMA segment of how crazy his life has been since that Alabama game. And he just couldn't really slow down. And so you feel for a kid because he was so young making all these decisions and he went to the NFL too early and was, you know, put in a tough situation, obviously. But, you know, at the same time, he's he still has a chance to, to yeah. make it back now. Like he is young enough where all of those mistakes have happened before the age of 25 years old. And if he right. really does have this thing figured out, he's gonna be able to change the way that he goes about his football on the field stuff and change all of his preparation. He said Josh McCown showed him a ton of stuff. Josh McCown, of all people. <laughs> That's who he went with? Yeah, Josh, <laughs> Josh McCown is his dude. Um, Josh McCown? Josh McCown. Josh yeah. McCown's like 38, I mean, and he's talking, played for like 17 NFL teams. We're talking about quarterbacks who can surround yourself in Cleveland. I mean, that would be gracious. like if I was like, hey, yeah, I really want to make a comeback in baseball. I just went and had a, like a mentor session with Gary Gaetti. Like, yeah, all right, cool, man. <laughs> he was He was good, like... He's a he's a great backup third baseman. Gary Gaetti provided me one of the best moments of my childhood as a Cubs fan. So you, how <laughs> dare even, you? How dare you hate on Gary Gaetti, a legend? All right, at least he's still in the NFL. I, Josh McCown's still in the NFL. I can't even respond to that. <laughs> still able to guide a, a kid like Johnny who needed that that guidance, and now yeah. it, it, it appears he has it. You know, he he said that he has a guaranteed CFL contract, so he's going to be playing football in 2018 he said with some choice language you know he's blah 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 excited about it yeah. and you know i'm excited to see it too i'm excited to see where this goes i hope we see him in the cfl he's going to sell a ton of tickets i hope he we see also, him in the nfl i hope we see him in the nfl one day but in the cfl is where he'll start and he said he said this in the part of my take interview he said he did not rule out an xfl appearance so <sighs> i was hoping you were going to say wwe but yeah it's fine nah, i'll nah, settle nah, with that no 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 well, he said we'll see. He thinks he's kind of pushing Vince McMahon a little bit, putting a little bit of pressure on him to to back off his policy of having a perfectly clean record. And I'm on board with that. He should, yeah. I, I'm not saying he got to make it's exceptions, but Johnny no, Manziel, come on. <laughs> yeah, I would I would love to see it. I, I'm I'm here for the ride. I think it's going to be great theater and one of the SEC's biggest personalities ever. Um, it'd be fun to watch him have this this resurrection and just be able yeah. to to still play football for the next ten years because he's a fun yeah. football player to watch. He is. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll transition from the man, the myth, the legend, Johnny Manziel, to the, the other side of the SEC, which is a little <laughs> bit of a conflict going on right now and, and a rivalry brewing, so, so to speak. It's a rivalry, but, I mean, last year it definitely didn't look like it. Uh, we're going to call this, this is a little, we got a little Florida Georgia line. And don't worry, I'm not going to start singing cruise, even though we're going to cruise right through this subject, aren't we, brother? I that was, Woo! was, that, it, a, was yeah. that a Florida Georgia line invitation? No, no. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, was. that was. Definitely that was. was. All right, we're, we're going to pretend that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> what did actually happen was Dan Mullen uh, was at a, an event on signing day uh, that night, and we missed this last week. And, you know, we probably should have hit on it, but whatever, we're going right. to hit on it now because we're, we're journalists, that's what we do. Um, and Dan Mullen comes out. Did you just call me a journalist? I did call you a journalist. That's the that's nicest the, thing you ever said to me. That is the nicest thing I've ever said to you. That's a good point. You said it was so much reluctance right there. I know. There. I like that is, God, why did I, damn it, uh, yeah. why did I say that? A journalist, a human, whatever, same thing. <laughs> Dan Mullen comes out and says in front of journalists, he says that Georgia isn't a dominant program after one season. Um, the qu exact quote was, listen, winning one SEC championship game doesn't make you a dominant program. You know what I'm saying? And he said that with a laugh, apparently. And he said, in two of the last three years, we, Florida, even though he wasn't on Florida. So much wrong with this. We've been to the SEC championship game. So 
Even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. There's, I have so many issues with all of this. And, and here's where I'll start. One, he's right. This doesn't make them a dominant program. Now, being a logical person, and this is even me as a Bama fan saying this, you can see the writing on the wall that they are 100% going in that direction. Right. They, they lost in overtime to the most dominant dynasty. In the, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan, but the most dominant dynasty that we've seen in college football. Okay? They lost in overtime to that team in the national championship in only Kirby Smart's second year. And then they followed that up with having not just the number one recruiting class, the highest rated recruiting class in the history of recruiting rankings. And then the new coach at a team that he didn't coach to their divisional titles, who got boat raced in both of those conference championship games, he's bragging about stuff that he didn't win? Love it. I, why? There's <laughs> so many things wrong with it. Like, like I, like oh, I just don't understand where I don't. I don't even know where to begin. Almost on, on what part I hated the most out of what he said. Because the last thing you want to do is is poke the bear, and that Georgia is going to be the bear in that division. Yeah. So all right. So I wrote about this. Shameless plug. Get it out of the way now. I wrote about this, and the the thing that I had a problem with. He probably could have said the first part and got away with it. Listen, yep. winning one SEC championship doesn't make you a dominant program. You know what I'm saying? Whatever, you get some laughs and people are like, ah, he doesn't think you know Georgia's dominant yet. And then you know you could probably back it up with the numbers because it's really one season. At this time last year, we're talking about right. an eight-win Georgia team with a bunch of question marks. Lost so, to Vanderbilt, lost to Tennessee, right. lost like lost to literally all of their rivals. Yeah, I, so I get that. I get that. You you come out and you want to say that, fine. But then you talk about we've been to the SEC championship two out of the last three years. And then you say, so even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Georgia ain't no blind squirrel, man. No, They are not a blind squirrel. You should know that because your team got run off the field by them at Mississippi State. Florida got run off the field by them in Jacksonville. That is not a blind squirrel. I don't care who you're talking about. man. Any side you want to take, any side you want to take, you got beaten like a drum. Like, oh, badly. And this, Mississippi State comes off that win against LSU, and everyone, including me, was like, oh, my gosh, they're a three-point underdog. I'll jump all over that. Like, they're, like they, they're the hot team, man. They're, you know, they were, like, knocking on the door being a top 15, top 10 team, and then they got beat, what, 31-3? That game was never close. No, never close. That game was never close. And so the thing is, if, if you're Mullen, I get it. You want to get some some home support. You want to get the fans on your side. This is, you know, kind of a pep, a glorified pep rally, basically. Yeah, sure. <laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with coming out and saying that, you know, saying a couple things to get the fans going, all that stuff. But every blind squirrel finds a nut. Dude, you're going to hear about that one again. I mean, that's that, that's brutal. You, you should definitely, definitely wait. <laughs> like, wait. say that coming off a win. Not... Yes. A, a game where you not only got beat again on either side of the fence you want to play on, they got beat. I think they got beat by at least four touchdowns at Florida and Mississippi State last year. Correct? Yeah. So I forgot the final in the Florida Georgia game because it was literally over in the first quarter. And the irony is, if Florida had actually just been decent last year, Dan Mullen isn't in Gainesville right now. Like this is yeah, still Jim McElwain's job. So why in the world is he talking about the separation factor not being that great? Like, 
I, I don't I don't buy that. I think the separation is significant. I think it's going to be multiple years before Florida gets this thing turned around and is even competing with Georgia. You don't flip a result that dominant in just one year. This is the national runner-up, the team that should have won the national championship. Okay, well let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. Right, I don't know right, I don't right. know where that's coming from at all. All right, I'm just, I'm just saying <laughs> should have won the national championship. Should have won the every national blind squirrel finds it. You know what? I'm not going to get into it, but. So, gonna, I'd like to have a, a retake on everything Dan said. Maybe Alabama was the blind squirrel that found a nut many times. You're, you're saying a lot of stuff, and, and you're saying maybe. it after you open with the Valentine's Day thing, and I'm not feeling a lot of love right now, Connor. I know, I know. All right, I apologize for that. We'll get back to, to, to some nicer stuff. But Dan Mullen, is, uh, he's definitely calling a shot, and I like I like the confidence, but uh, I just wonder about the, the timing of it. Yes. After Georgia just signed the number one class, obviously Ever. he was... He was sick of hearing about Georgia. That's what this comes down to. He's sick of His hearing about how great Georgia is. His own parents don't even like him. I mean, it was a week ago. Copeland's mom was like, nope, not having it. Hand me my purse. Hand me my keys. I'm about to take my hoops off and fight this person. Like, that's not okay. <laughs> and then, then you're going to not only... Whew, they're going to get boat raced again. Georgia's going to beat everybody in that division. It's it's brutal. I think the separation is, is significant. But Besides Missouri. Besides Missouri, well, Missouri, according to Drew Locke, there's no reason Missouri can't be competing for SEC and national championships this year. It's, I've had too much delusion for one episode already. Okay, we'll move on to some other. We'll save that hot take for another time. Um, the man who is full of so many hot takes that we love, we're going to ride in the lane train for a minute here um, because it's the off season, but it's always Twitter season. Always. So, so ironically enough, uh, Lane, Lane Kiffin quote tweeted something from Lane Johnson. So his boy Lane, we're 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 gonna we're gonna go double time on the Lane train here. Lane train go choo choo. So Lane Johnson, of course, Super Bowl winning uh, Lane Johnson, uh, comes out and says uh, on another interview with uh, with Pardon My Take says that I'd rather be happy and win one Super Bowl than be miserable and win five. Referring, of course, to the Patriots and the right. Patriot way, so to speak. So Lane Kiffin quote tweets that and then tweets. Heard that, and everybody He's takes an idiot. everybody takes that as Kiffin basically saying that he didn't have fun at Alabama because Alabama and the Patriots are. Do so you know similar. why? Do you know that's you know why they took it that way? Because that's what he meant. Of course, that's that's a hundred percent what he meant. I like, I have I love Lane Kiffin so much, and I love how I, I love his his swag. I love his confidence. I love every part of that. But it's amazing to me how quickly he's forgotten. That that job he had, and he did a tremendous job. Trem- he had he was there at Alabama for three years. He had the conference player of the year three straight years. Three straight years at a different position. Receiver, running back, and quarterback. Incredible job. It's a great stat. It I mean it's really it really is. And one of them was a freshman. Regardless, that was coming off of him getting fired on a tarmac or tarmac and being left off the team bus because he was so unliked. So he had to rebuild this whole reputation, and someone helped him with that. And now he's he's already like not even just a little bit of like trash talking. All every single opportunity he can get. He just wants to have fun. That's what this comes down to. Lane is just Lane's down there in Boca right now, just having a great old time, sitting on his smartphone, and he's like, you know what I could do to, to stir up a little bit of controversy? <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? Let him by by all means. Sure. I love it. He's going to quote tweet all, so many things in the next, really, six months. Because I think he's, part of this, too, is he needs to stay nationally relevant in the offseason. That's is, true. 
This is a little bit of the Jim Harbaugh thing where he did that in his first couple seasons at Michigan. And he does this because you need to stay relevant in these months that are out of the season because right. people can forget about you. And this is when you do the majority of your recruiting. And Lane is seeing how difficult yeah. it is to recruit at a place like FAU. As much as Boca is great and all, um, kids want to play big-time college football. Yeah, and this is the best way he's going to be able to get former four-star quarterbacks that were kicked out of other schools. Exactly. He's the new Auburn. He's, he's building the new Auburn down there. I love it. Hey. But so, And the thing is, as like as much as it like it does like fire me up because like what Saban did was turn his whole you know job title like, he, it wasn't like Lane handled that departure very well. I mean no. he left. They I mean it was mutual in quotes, but they he left before finishing out the season. No, there's still some shade at Alabama. There's obviously yeah. still shade. But but that being said, him saying heard that I, I joke around about this all the time about like why did Brett Bielema leave Wisconsin. You had a cush job, like you might might not ever win a national championship, but you're going to be in the Rose Bowl every year. You're going to be like a top fifteen team every year. You're not going to have to compete that hard down here in the SEC. Would you rather be an offensive coordinator at Alabama, even if the money was more? Hell, like even if he was getting paid LSU defensive coordinator money, okay? Would you rather have that job, or would you rather, like you said, just feet up in the sand on the beach in Boca? And and like you're still making over a million dollars a year, and there's there's no, uh, like the ceiling is so low for their expectations there. Lane's doing it right, and maybe yes, maybe what he's really talking about is the fact that you know he's laid up in the beach in Boca, and that does that sounds a lot more fun than freezing in New England because yeah, in case you haven't heard, it's pretty cold right now. February. Maybe maybe what what he said I overreacted to. Maybe, maybe just maybe. a, just maybe a just wee a bit. bit. <laughs> just a wee bit. But he knows, and we're talking about it. So That's true. Mission accomplished. Lane, Lane knows the way that, that, that people like us react to this stuff, and he knows <laughs> what he can do to fire up Bama fans. And yeah. UCF has reminded us that firing up Bama fans is actually a pretty good form of marketing, and it works, and it keeps you in the news. So why not do it? He's got you triggered right now. I've got so now. much to learn. I know. You really do. He's fa- You fell right into his trap. Right into that trap. That's right terrible. In. It was terrible. a bear trap. That lane just set up perfectly for you. Perfect. Uh, well, I love it. I love the fact that we're going to get to so many different lane stories uh, throughout the offseason. He's going to keep tweeting. Uh, recently divorced Lane Kiffin. I wonder what Lane Kiffin's doing on Valentine's Day. He's got, that's nothing we should discuss. I'll that's tell you nothing that we much. Should discuss. Okay. <laughs> we'll keep that off air, uh, and maybe we'll just throw in some uh, more Johnny Manziel stories with that. Yeah, no. Joey we'll, Freshwater is having a ball down there in Boca. I'm sure. I, I, I hope I hope Lane's doing well. I hope he finds love. If you, <laughs> if you, let's let's say Chris. Let's say you are one of the the people listening, or anybody listening to this. Let's say you forgot about Valentine's Day. I really okay. hope you didn't forget about Valentine's Day. I kind of did, but oh, good no. news. I'm getting my tax refund tomorrow, so boom. Guess who's getting some Cheddar Bay Biscuits tomorrow night? The Boo. Wow. That's... Yeah, I'm whispering because she's in the other room, but yeah, thumbs up. <laughs> Your tax return's only going to buy you Cheddar Bay Biscuits? I mean, a lot of biscuits. We're talking about a lot of biscuits, Connor. Okay, that's good. Well, I like that. You know what else your tax return could buy you? Tickets. Tell me right now. Oh, tickets. yeah, of course. It could, it could definitely buy you some tickets. Or let's say, hey, you forgot about a Valentine's Day present. you got to make a last-minute deal. You're going to buy some tickets to go see some SEC basketball. I That's just probably a you. mistake, but yes. Well, <laughs> hey, no. I, I think it's a great idea. I think if you were going to try and find tickets, where would you go? Ticket City. Probably go to Ticket City. That's, that's Easy. what I would think. Ticket Hands City. Down. 
Ticket City is the quickest and easiest place to go for your tickets. They have the cheapest tickets and all of their tickets come with a 100% Ticket City guarantee. All of our listeners can get $20 off their SEC basketball orders today. That is four less Abraham Lincolns that you have to fork over. That's some good math. That was really good math. I haven't done it yet, but yeah, I'll, I'm going to write it down. Five times four, 20. Yeah, that's okay. Good. Uh, all you need to do is go to TicketCity.com, find the best tickets for your game, and enter the discount code SDS20 while checking out. That's SDS20. So go to TicketCity.com and save on all of your tickets today. And remember, every kiss begins with Ticket City. Oh, Boom. that's good. Rolls off the tongue. And I got a, a voice like an angel. You're welcome. You really do. I, I, I think that's some, that they might have that trademarked, but I think that we can we can let that fly. We won't yeah, do that. Yeah, that's fine. Out. Okay, no. I like that. Um, it is Valentine's Day, as we've said, like four or five times. Uh, we've got a Valentine's Day game. Um, so, as I said earlier, we are, we are journalists, and we are writers. We are also um, serenaders, yes. so to speak. And I, I can write a little bit of a poem, not to brag, but my mom used to write all these dits. So, and I know you can write. So, we got some Valentine's Day poems for SEC coaches. Yes. This is going to be electric. I'm very excited about this. Extremely excited. Do you want to start us off? I'll start us off. This is going to be... Um, for Ed Orgeron. Okay. okay. Is it just, it should just be gumbo, 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 gumbo. <laughs> yeah, pretty much what it is. Yeah. Um, okay, roses are red, violets are blue, here's a Rosetta Stone from English, and a for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is, Boom. My drop. What is what is okay? I'm I'm gonna pat ourselves on the back here. I think that we have the market cornered on imitating LSU coaches, current and former. Without a doubt, we've already turned around the the career of Les Miles. That I still haven't seen a single check for that. Pretty upset about that. Well, once he gets his next movie deal, then he's gonna you know he'll he'll start sending those my way and all. Better be about them. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. That was good. I think Ed O is gonna be. I think he's gonna feel great about that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate I like that. that. Journalist yeah. and that compliment, you're up. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with Kirby Smart, the guy who should have won the national championship, in case you forgot. Here we go. Or okay. like Kirby Dumb, boom, yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Oh, that's good. You're the first person to ever say that probably. Ever, dude, ever. Yeah. You are the very first Alabama person <laughs> to ever say Kirby Dumb. That's... My favorite sign ever, when Bama played Georgia, they put up a giant sign. There was like two or three of them. I forgot. It was like a laundromat. It said, more like lame Kiffin. Am I right? And I just couldn't stop laughing. That's incredible. great. Yeah. A bit lame like that, too. <laughs> Probably. All right. This is you, Kirby. Georgia is black and red. Tua made your team blue. But you signed the number one class, and now the dogs are due. For what? Um, obviously, <laughs> another runner-up season, of course. Oh, that's cold. That's cold. No, I'm kidding. Probably a national championship in the next, like, I don't know, three, four years, something like that. Maybe next year. Who knows? Okay. You all, You're, getting so mine, worked, you're getting so worked up by me all saying of mine, that. All of mine are all roses are red, violets are blue. Mine are so lame compared to yours. Oh, I, Mine my, are so lame compared to you. Oh, that's, that's good. Oh. That's really good. See, mine end with red and blue in the first part. Not to, Okay, spoiler alert. Yeah, that, we did it again. Dang All it. Right. You go Okay, ahead. here we go. Roses are red, violets are blue. The only people that remember those two division titles are M-I-Z-Z-O-U. Oh, that's good. 
that's that's a, that's a, I I actually I, I enjoy Missouri a lot. My best friend is a huge Missouri fan, but I always think it's funny that people give them a hard time in the SEC, and they did win their first two division titles in two in their first three years. I feel bad because Georgia's really like the first team in recent memory that has won a division title in that division and like gotten credit for it. Yeah, and, like Florida didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. That's, well, it's because they're the first ones to win it. Yeah, and and yeah, that's true. That's since two thousand eight. Oh man! Yikes! That's so brutal. All right, that was good. I, I think Mizzou fans will. I think they're feeling the love right now. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. All right, this is uh, for the man who. I don't know if I've seen Will Muschamp smile, but does he smile? I don't think so. Will Muschamp, he his he yells a lot. He yells. He yells. Okay, so this has something to do with that. Okay, to you, Will Muschamp. Your face gets all red. Your defense is black and blue. Debo Samuel is back, and Jake Bentley is your boo. Because, <laughs> because he's never had a good quarterback. Or he's never coached. What? <laughs> He's never known how to coach a good quarterback. He still doesn't. Yeah, he still doesn't. He's a defensive quarterback. I mean, yeah, that's good. I like it. I like it. It's more creative than all mine. Okay. All right. Jake, Jake Bentley is, is his boo. I think that's – nobody's going to argue with that. He knows that Jake Bentley is the key to his success in South Carolina. Okay. This one's for Saban. Your boo. Yeah, he is my boo. Yeah. Roses are red. Violets are blue. We finally have a quarterback. Can we freaking get a kick or two? That's good. That's really good. Well, they actually already have a kicker, Jalen Hurts. Oh, fingers crossed. I'm that I'm more triggered on that than anything. I know. If that actually happens and that hits, I really hope you already put five bucks down on that in Vegas. I've, you know that I, I love my gambling, and uh, if that was a prop bet, a hundred percent, I would have already put the odds of the money down on that. That's a really good prop bet. Thank you. Thank you. I I, I think you're gonna hit on that one day. Yeah. All right, we'll transition to a Saban disciple, Jimbo Fisher. Okay. I actually changed this one last minute, so it might be a little bit rusty. I haven't read it yet, so okay. just beware. Okay. The Seminoles are a shade of red. The Aggies are too. Francois' injury was brutal, but five and six was on you. Ooh, little burn. shade, little shade. Like that. Yeah, that's real it, good. It didn't happen in the SEC, so I'm allowed to throw shade at him. Dude, but you know Mullen is probably going to take credit for that too, though. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's a good, good point. Yeah. That's that's good though. I like that. That might be my favorite one of the whole bunch. Yeah, I'm oh. going to say one more. Okay. And it's again, it's again to Saban. Okay. You, I mean, this you is, came up with two for Saban and none for for all these other SEC coaches. You don't think Saban's got enough Valentines? For you me? didn't have to say it like that, Connor. Oh my I thought goodness. it was a good one. I I gave my top four. He really and this is one, your boo. This one is for this is one from everyone else. Okay. Roses are red, violets are blue. Everyone hates you, except Bama fans and you. I rhymed you twice. Damn that it, I knew terrible. I was going to mess that up. Oh, that I t- wish I didn't close with that. You did two on Saban. We're, we're going to count it like one and a quarter, maybe. I don't yeah, know. That was, that was rough. That was really rough. I'm glad nobody can see my face on this podcast right now. So Somebody, many- 100%, like a volunteer fan in an F-150, just like turns like, nope, done, over it. You can put that, you can put that last one in the trash can. That's on me. Derek Mason is listening to this right now, thinking, <laughs> I, I need some love. I just had a brutal season. I just won four games, and, and you're going to throw Saban two Valentines and me none? What, yeah, what is that? Yeah, without a doubt. I, didn't, I forgot Vandy was in the conference, I'll be honest. Oh, man. That's, I think Alabama did, too. Thought it was non-conference play. That's true. Too soon. Um, all right. We're going to end with Dan Mullen. 
And I'm going to preface this by saying I threw a little bit of shade at him. All right. Yes. Okay. You throwing shade is my favorite. Like, Connor throwing shade is my favorite Connor. Connor's got some shade to throw. <laughs> so much swag. All right. Gators are not red. I'm pretty sure they're not blue. You'll struggle versus the top 25, but that's nothing new. Oh, yikes. Is that, that's a mean Valentine. That's like the, 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 you give that to like the girl, like the mean girl in class. Your science teacher. Your science teacher. And then she fails you and you get kicked yeah. out of school. Yeah. That's what happens. That's what happens. Do kids still write Valentines? Is that a thing? I don't know. I, I, uh, I wrote mine in cursive and I know for a fact that's not a thing anymore. Cursive is definitely not a thing. Fun fact, your boy, this is going to be a humble brag. Okay. I had to talk about this today. Uh, I won a state championship in cursive handwriting. What? Yeah, that's a real thing, guys. That's a real thing. Somebody so asked should... me today on an interview, and they said, what is, <laughs> what is your weirdest accomplishment? And it's also my proudest. I'll go ahead and say that. Um, I won a state championship for cursive handwriting in third grade in the state of Georgia. How high on your resume is that? It is It is 100% the top line. I, like, ahead of my name. Ahead of my name. It's a, it's, it is my title. Like, state champion... Cursive handwriting, Mr. Chris Marler. As it should be. The third. You can't throw that at the bottom of the resume. That is no. top of the resume material. Without a doubt. Some say it shouldn't be on there at all. <laughs> and to that, I say you're an idiot. Can you still write cursive? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you're a state champ. You don't just lose. Like, right you don't just grade. lose that, dude. You wow. don't just lose our glory days. Yeah. You have a, a gift. Not singing, but. Yeah, it's not. It's, I'm good at a lot of things that don't matter. So you should have been writing all of the Valentines back in the day with your beautiful cursive handwriting. That would have been a great way to make make like extra baseball card money. I yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, man. I didn't think about that. Oh man, what a missed opportunity. That's a really good idea. Thanks for reminding me of that, Connor. Millennials don't have to write cursive, but we got a freaking millennials for you. Because, oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, stinking millennials ruining the world, ruining everything. By the way, we're millennials. Um, <laughs> like how you remind us of that every week. Yeah, I, I, I it just, just feels you know, good to be young. You know we, what I mean? Cool cats. We got new listeners. We need people to know that the voice that they are hearing is not that of a sixty-five-year-old man. Uh, um, I don't think they would. By the way, real quick, I do want to say thank you to all the new listeners that subscribed yesterday yes, on Twitter. That was awesome. That really like made like my entire day because it was well, Monday, man. Mondays are the worst, but that was awesome. And so I really do appreciate. And there was a Vandy fan. And I meant to write his name down, but I don't want to put him on blast. But that was really awesome. There were so many fans from different different teams that really did uh, put a smile on my face. So thank you for everyone that, that subscribed and followed. And I hope we didn't disappoint you today. Yeah. But you guys, will be getting your dec- you guys will be getting your decal soon, by the way. That's right. Those are, those are being sent as we speak. Autographed by me in cursive. Exactly. All right. So we're allowed to make fun of millennials because, you know, we are millennials. And as you know, we like to do a little segment called Frickin' Millennials. So we've got a, a good example of that today. Um, of course, NCAA attendance numbers come out. Everybody's freaking out. Average attendance in FBS drops to its lowest point since 1997. Uh, everybody's talking about you know millennials not wanting to go to college football games. Blah blah blah. It's fair. The same was true. The same was true in the SEC though, and they said uh, so. The SEC actually had the largest average home attendance decrease among the Power Five conferences. Um, bit of a surprise, bit of a surprise to see something like that, even when you had so many SEC teams that were so relevant. I blame you for that. Okay, first off, I went to more games last year than I've ever been to in my entire life. Okay. Not even, not even all Bama games. 
So you were going to other SEC games. Okay, so maybe I, I, I went to Florida, you. Tennessee. Okay. Hey, you should not blame me. I'll right. throw that there first off. Second off, um, yeah, it makes sense for the SEC numbers to go down because these are stadiums that are 80, 90, 100,000 people coming to these games. That's true. That's a good point. And I think that's part of – and everybody's going to say the Big Ten – so the Big Ten was the only power yeah, five Yeah, I'll conference. be the ringleader of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, But the reason why they're going to say that is, okay, what's the stat? How many people on average were going to, to games? So the average – dropped to 42,203, which is the lowest, since, like I said, since 1997. But it was an average of 380 total people per game, right? That was, that was the average drop, was 380 fans, which is 2.86%. Yeah. Okay, so the reason why it's not a big deal, I can attest to this, and in multiple cities, not just Tuscaloosa, but I'm talking about Columbia, Athens, Gainesville, several places around the SEC, Baton Rouge, okay? Like, not everyone's making it into the game. Tailgate's too good. Yeah, it's way too good. So this is way the, too good. This is the tailgate's fault. I'm not blaming the tailgate. I'm, I mean, I'm not. I'm blaming. I'm blaming the tailgate. Yeah, you're I'm blaming, blaming the tailgate. tailgate. Definitely. But it's in a good way, in like the best of ways. So maybe then the schools that don't have good enough tailgates then are the teams, the SEC teams that actually had increases in home attendance. Can you guess those three teams? I bet you probably can't because you, you already saw this note today. So I'm not even going to quiz you on this because you saw it. You cheated. <laughs> I did see it. I did see so, it. So, all right. So Kentucky came in at number one, and Kentucky had a 5.2 percentage increase in average home attendance. Kentucky, that makes sense. That actually makes a lot of sense, and here's why. Their basketball team is terrible this Bingo. year. Exactly. Terrible. Exactly. So you got you got to live off something. It's in, in Kentucky, it's not horse racing season at all. Right. Like, at all. Yeah. So what else are you going to do up there? Go to football. See Benny Snell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See Benny Snell not get ejected for not getting help from an official to stand up. See your team almost, you know, erase a 31-year losing streak to Florida until you forget to put 11 people on the field twice. To be fair, 11 is a high number. That's a good point. And in Alabama, that holds true. Kentucky, almost in the north. Pretty smart state. In what other sport do you have to put that many guys in the field? Very, very good point. Bas- Not softball. They're really good at that. Basketball, duh. Men's and women's. Yep. So, Kentucky, we feel for you. But nice little increase. Nice boost for Kentucky attendance. Yeah. Good sign. Kentucky, number one. Number one. Yeah, number one. Go figure. <laughs> number two, South Carolina. Will Muschamps. Will Muschamps boys. 2.17 percent increase in average home attendance increase doesn't by, seem like a lot it, it doesn't but when you say okay so when you say like you had the number was they had 1666 more fans per game that's, that's a lot that sounds like a lot when you say that okay so my my mom lives in columbia south carolina she's a pastor there shout out to you patty sue my sister was a freshman last year so i will take credit for this yes that is 100 percent on you this yeah. could this could not literally not have happened unless you you accomplished this. Your family. I just Sammy Sosa because you're a Cubs fan. Like I just I just Sammy Sosa right now. I like that. That was some bad no big radio. Deal. Sammy Sosa. <laughs> he's a cowboy now. We gotta talk about that at some point because he is not okay. He is not okay. He's like every load of laundry I've done wrong. Dude is not right. He is not supposed to be that no. shade of like just pale. Like he looks like a Halloween yeah. costume at this point. Twenty one shades of gray. Ugh. That was his number. It's really good. No, but like South Carolina, that's awesome. They had a great season. 
had a huge win. Had an in the, season, yeah, in the Outback yeah, Bowl. Yeah, win. yeah. Um, had, I mean, honestly, had a big win against NC State opening weekend. That drew, and I think that drives it. And I think when you have, you know, some sort of optimism early on and, mm-hmm. you know, you don't necessarily have a reason not to go to games. Like, you know. Not a lot of Will Muschamp teams bring that kind of heat <laughs> into right. September. But they definitely did. But that's that was that was easily the biggest win I think for the conference opening weekend. Absolutely, and well, Alabama, Florida State too. But no, but so the reason why I say that is because, I mean, Cole Kubelik. I'm, I'm going to say that name wrong. I'm sure he was one of a couple of people that had NC State as a dark horse, right? As a as a he had a you know, playoff, playoff as contender. a playoff team, yeah, right. And and so you know, obviously, they don't make it there. But that's a huge win for that kind of program. And you know, coming off like a, a Birmingham Bowl win the year before, like that's that's a huge win. So that's cool to see South Carolina do that. And you're you welcome, know, Debo Samuel. Exactly, Debo Samuel goes down, still have the attendance increase for right. the course of the season. This this is the surprising one, and I don't know if there, this is this might just be random. I mean, you're not going to take this too seriously, but Vanderbilt increased. Yeah. So, so <laughs> let, let me didn't let me see say that coming. Okay, so let me say this: it was by 032 percent. It was 99 people per game. So, That's a lot of people for that stadium. I mean, is it? That stadium is a glorified Hardy's parking lot. Just let's call it what it is. It's 30,000 oh, people. <laughs> it is. It's like it's literally in the backside of a Wendy's in, in West Nashville or East Nashville. I don't know. Regardless, it's not that many people. They're usually just like overrun by like, opposing teams. They had a huge, huge win at home against Kansas State in September Everything kind of went south after that. Completely. We're not going to talk about it, but still, that's a big win. That that's, is, a, that's a that's another Power Five team. Bill Snyder, the greatest 183 year old coach ever. That's true. Maybe yeah. well, he's he's like the guy at the 5K who uh, wins his age group, and then you realize there's like one or maybe two yeah. guys in the age group. But Bill Snyder, yeah, he's weekend at Bernie's. Like he's on he's on strings, but he's doing well. Hey, he's still doing things. They're still winning a couple of football games here over there. Um, so those are the only three SEC teams that actually had an increase in attendance. Georgia actually flatlined and had the exact same average home attendance as last year. I don't even know how that's possible. Like, did okay. somebody just look up that number and just go, yeah, just copy and paste it? <laughs> so hot take, I'll say that's more impressive than any other stat from the three that increased. Yeah, and the reason why is this. Georgia had one of the worst home schedules that they've had in years. Yeah, that's true. Years. I mean, like... People don't give enough credit to Georgia. Like they, they've like tried to schedule some like pretty big early season matchups at home. They had the Oklahoma State game. They played Boise State. Now these are kind of dated, but I mean, still Arizona State. These are all pretty big non-conference games you're having at home. Colorado. So they played all of their biggest games on the road. Notre Dame, Tennessee, Florida's never at home. It's a neutral site game. I'm going with the quotes again, the air quotes. But, I mean, I, I thought that was really impressive. They had one of the worst home schedules that they have had personally in years. And had to face Auburn on the road, too. And I think, yeah, right. That's, that's, yeah, so that is impressive. A zero, a, a no change is, is, is impressive. What's not so impressive were the three bottom teams. And, you know, it, it kind of makes sense when you think about it. And it, it it's tough to, to fault these fan bases necessarily so, because none of them went to bowl games. I, see, I would have guessed Bama. Because of complacency and and just entitlement, I would have expe- expected that to be near the top. LSU, because uh, one again the tailgate, yeah, two Ed Orgeron and just that team. Uh, one day they're going to get a quarterback. One day it's going to happen. <laughs> but 
outside of that, like maybe A and M because they increased like their attendance, like in terms of like seats available. They have like one hundred and seven thousand people there. Yeah, it's insane. But Texas A and M actually wasn't in the bottom three; just missed being in the bottom three. The team at the very bottom had the sharpest decrease of any SEC team. Ole Miss. And, yeah, and he, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. It. I mean, didn't have that premier non-conference game at home. I don't uh, think it has anything to do with it, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I think that's got something to do with it because I think that's why Vanderbilt still was able to to increase than the fact that you, you're sure. hosting Bama. They like, did play, Ole Miss played Cal on the road, and again, it's a dry county. So it's like, there's, I mean, the Grove is great. Why would you leave the Grove to go watch your team play and lose? Right. I didn't put on this Vineyard Patterson. Vines button down for nothing. Yeah, right. Exactly. And Shea Patterson goes down, and that obviously has something to do with it. Uh, Jordan Tiamu comes in and plays well, but yeah, still, that number is not that surprising. Uh, also not that surprising, Arkansas, second to worst uh, in the SEC with, with a, a decrease of 9.14%. Well, they, also, they also choose – they had a tough year, um, I would say, not only with their coach uh, or their schedule or their record – with their their weather is not great and they also choose to leave for one game a year and play at a 42,000 seat stadium it's odd it's why and that's like where their biggest games are played it's it's interesting that they do that and you know they still had a chance to have that big marquee non-conference win against TCU TCU ends up being a really good team that of course doesn't happen uh no you know that's like if Vandy was like hey you know what we're playing at Bristol I love it. <laughs> we're bringing all of our fans to Bristol. I'm like, you know what? That's not going to work. It's a really bad idea. Like, no, no, no. We're doing it. Nope. Let's do this. Speaking of the teams that played at Bristol, uh, third third worst uh, in the SEC in terms of uh, average home attendance decrease was Tennessee at 5.14%. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a step back and not say anything bad about this. It not- was not their fault. It was not their fans' fault. They have the largest stadium in the southeast to fill and they had the toughest job of being fans to also fulfill this year so can't, can't blame tennessee fans for not no. not not having an increase uh let's just say neyland was not exactly full by the time most of their sec games ended with good reason with good reason speaking of tennessee uh we're going to transition into uh, a guy who has been in the news a little bit too much it might mean too much Albert Hainsworth, we're talking about you, big Ooh, fella. This, this, this is rough. Uh, so over the weekend, Albert Hainsworth, former uh, Tennessee star, former Tennessee Titans star, <laughs> Mr. Tennessee, some have called $100 million dollar man. Yeah. So he got kicked out of a basketball game for an altercation involving his son. And say the most important part of that, Connor. The incident allegedly occurred in the hallway during team warm-ups. That's the big, yeah, that last word is the big one, warm-ups. Not during a game, warm-ups. I don't, not a game, practice. not a game, warm-ups. Yeah, practice is even, is probably better than warm-ups, but yeah. Oh. So, fun fact about high school basketball, you can't dunk without being kicked out of a game or touch the rim. Well, you get a technical if you dunk in the pregame, right? Very good point, yes. So what can he have been so fired up about? I have no pre-game. idea. I have Concession no stand prices. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Without a doubt. You just got it. But why would his son be responsible for that? In this economy? Yeah, he could have been true. helping out. That's true. 
Yeah, maybe his son wasn't taking it seriously enough. Uh, just like Albert when he got his seven-year, $100 million deal to go to the Redskins. Uh, this is a man that had, he one time uh, stomped a man's head into the ground. Didn't he, like, almost tear his eye out? I, I don't know. Um, maybe, but, like, I know for a fact he did stomp on a man's head during a game because he was so fired up. I think That was, like, on second down, too, by the way. So yeah. it makes no sense for that to be, like, that emotional during that point of the game but maybe his son's soft maybe he's not going hard in the paint i don't know maybe maybe it, albert's not in the wrong maybe it doesn't mean enough for his son yeah exactly it means too much for albert and not enough for his son they're gonna find that happy middle you know that happy medium uh, i i feel pretty confident about that but poor shari um that's that's yeah, he's, one of his albert hainsworth's kids uh the one who was involved in the in the incidents because he is in not brighter news uh he is maybe responsible for his seventh child albert hainsworth former, yes Yes, for, yeah, not Achari. Uh, that'd be a record, I think, at 17. But Albert um, may be, be the father of the seventh child with former hottie fall basketball player, Brittany Jackson. So, now, that's the tip of the cap. That's, uh, that, that's an interesting situation, an ongoing situation uh, in which I don't think we heard the last of that. Did we? We're not going to because I will bring up Brittany Jackson at any time I can. Yeah. So the good thing about this uh, this basketball incident is apparently there's video, but it hasn't been released yes. yet. Um, that it's video, like Black Panther, the movie. I can't wait. It's coming out Friday. A lot of, lot of excitement leading up to it. Oh, I cannot wait. Yeah. This video needs to hit the internet, and everybody needs to see um, Albert Hainsworth um, apparently making a fool of himself enough to get kicked out of a game, getting escorted out by two police officers. Yeah. Uh, Oof. That's it's it's bad, but it, I I honestly don't even think it's the worst thing that he's done. Probably um, no. Most of the stuff he the worst stuff he did was on the field. Yeah. So yeah, poor guy. One day he's gonna pass a conditioning test. Oh wait, no, he did. <laughs> he did that eventually, right? I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Good for him. Well, we'll end on that. That's probably enough Tennessee hate for for one podcast. Poor poor Albert man. We're we're gonna have brighter days ahead for. Uh, <laughs> For, for love you, Knoxville. Love you, Rocky Top. Sorry. We're big fans. Sorry, Sorry. for us. Sorry, Sorry for us. Sorry for Albert. So for uh, the Valentine's Day episode of the Saturday Down South podcast, uh, make sure you subscribe. We appreciate all of our new subscribers. Uh, we hope that we threw enough uh, love this episode to all of you. Tell your friends. Tell your significant others uh, who you're listening to this podcast with right now, probably. Yeah. Uh, to subscribe to the Saturday Down South podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's about all I can say for this Valentine's Day episode. And remember, remember this one important thing. You too, Albert. It just means more.